Okay. So what we were just talking about, I have been thinking about quite a bit around this crisis leadership complexity, that kind of stuff. And so I'm Mm -hmm. hoping we can get into that a little bit today. 100%. Yeah. It's on the top of my mind for a variety of reasons. But first, how's your week going? I'm on vacation this week, so I'm only doing stuff I want to do, which is recording podcasts. And I feel very privileged that this podcast with me is something you want to do on vacation. Oh, awesome. So thank you. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it is a professional joy of mine for sure. So we're <laughs> doing some recordings today and tomorrow and then going to the Vaccine Mega Center here in Dallas, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Going to put in some time there, hopefully get vaccinated, help with some logistics, which is uh, nice. sorely needed. You have people showing up and you know they're not exactly tech savvy. Not sure where to go. There's 20 lanes. I think 11,000 people get vaccinated a day at this place. And so hundreds of volunteers. It's all pretty and very high turnover. Once people get their 15 hours and they mostly uh, just bounce and don't come back, which is fine. I don't have a problem with that. But as if I'm thinking about being on the ground there day after day, that's got to be tough. And so how do you get people trained up and super effective in 15 hours for something that's fairly life or death? It's probably the most life or death thing that I'll do this year or maybe in the past few years. Like I, we're not really in that situation much. So anyway, very excited. And I get to go with Diana. And so we can make anything. If Even if it's boring, it'll be fun. Yeah. I'm so excited to hear about your experience. Yeah. I, I can't wait to hear. And you're such a process thinker. It's not just like what you're doing and people's lives that you're saving, but it's I'm interested in hearing about the, the process efficiency, how... What sort of scenarios are they planning for? What kind of like where they draw essentially black boxes around volunteers can't do this work. And like to your point of ramping people up quickly and losing people in a fast turnover. So just interested in hearing about the whole process works. Get some really good advice too from Stan, which was, he said, hey, I had to really put, just put on my volunteer hat for the day and not my consultant hat. Otherwise I would have gone crazy. Yeah, that I can definitely imagine. Yes. (laughs) So, hey, I thought we'd start with a quote today, if that's cool Bring with you. Bring it. Have we talked about James Bond Stockdale? Mm. That can't be right. I need to double check that because James Bond is such a cool, like, middle name. James Bond Stockdale, yes. Okay, so he was born in 1923, was a United States Navy Vice Admiral, pilot, awarded the Medal of Honor in Vietnam, and he was a prisoner of war for over seven years. So most senior naval officer held captive in North Vietnam. This guy has been through crisis, has led through crisis. And he has this quote, it's called the Stockdale Paradox, which I think is perfect. Would love to have something with the word paradox after my name. That'd be kind of neat. But here's what he says. You ready? I think this is applicable to our conversation today. You must never confuse the faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. That's really good. (laughs) It speaks to me as an optimist, right? Because I think you can, I don't know if getting into trouble is the right word. You're in a situation that's crappy for whatever reason. And COVID's the easy thing to poke on here. And having a positive attitude and trying to generally move forward through this crisis, which has gone on 12 months now, happy COVID anniversary. And we'll probably go in about six more months. So some of the people we talked to at the beginning were right. This is an 18-month plus or minus six-month thing, uh, which is interesting because all the technology advancements we have, which help with the vaccine, didn't help with the timeline. 
we still, this is the same as other pandemics have been. There are, and we talked about this in a previous episode, people who have been through worse and like the, that's a very deep pit on how bad things can be. And the point here is controlling what's in your, what's under your control. You, there's a lot of things at the macro level that you really can't have an effect on, but you can certainly have an effect on how you respond and move forward as a leader, as a human, as a team member, those kind of things. It's a great quote and it's really rich. And even your comment just now of controlling what's in your control, that isn't just to part B of his quote of being willing to face your current reality, no matter how bad it is. You actually can control the first part, which is having the faith to know that you're going to prevail. You can control that that sort of positive momentum in yourself, just like you can control the ability to balance back and forth and say, I'm actually here. I need to deal with this. I need to deal with these less than optimal or extremely optimal circumstances. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I love it. I love and, it. And then the discipline to confront the, confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. We have a lot of people during COVID opting out, staying home and just playing Fortnite and largely just trying to hide under a rock. And in a world where actually you know, physical distancing and hiding under a rock helps this thing go away. So it's an interesting balance there. But what I wanted to talk about today, if that's okay with you, is, uh, and I've shared this with you briefly, this uh, minimally viable crisis leadership model, mm-hmm. which has four components to it. And you can think of it as like a loops within loops or like a looping thing. It's not really ordered or structured in any kind of quadrants or anything, but it's these four things that if you find yourself in a crisis, which sometimes it's very obvious, right? We're in a pandemic. This was obvious in 2008 with the financial crisis. I've seen situations where a company, where companies are going bankrupt or your boss comes and asks you to do something you know, that's questionable from a moral or ethics standpoint, and that shoves you in a crisis zone pretty quickly, some of which we've talked about. So the idea today is to talk through what you can do as an individual, because there's lots of really great information out there on how to lead in a crisis, what you can do as an organization, stuff like that. But if we distill everything down into, hey, let's focus on what you can do as an individual, because that's what's under your control. And all the best organizational advice in the world won't work if the individual humans involved aren't prepared or willing or able to do the right things. Make sense? All right. So here we go. The four items of the minimally viable crisis leadership model, which we probably need a better name for. (laughs) (laughs) I'm terrible with naming things. All right. So the first is decide, or it can be act or commit, but this idea of deciding. Uh, Second is communicate. Third is forgive. And fourth is learn. And so in decide, the first decision you have to make when you're in a crisis is, do you want to be part of the solution, right? Are you going to opt in and help go try to make things better, or are you going to opt out? And actually, I don't have a value judgment either way. There are people who were not in a position to lean in during COVID. Their family got sick, they got sick, people lose jobs. Like sometimes you just have to take a step back and focus on your own survival, put your oxygen mask on first. I have no problem with that. The thing I have a problem with is if you act or pretend like you're being part of the solution and you're really not, that's a danger zone, right? So the first thing is decide if you want to be part of the solution. But then as you go in, when you're in a crisis, time really matters, like time kills. And so deciding a path forward, taking a step, even if you're not 100% sure, 
you should probably be moving at a pace that's slightly faster than what you're comfortable with. And if you're doing that active decision, acting, committing, moving forward, then you're going to be over time in a much better spot because the antidote to crisis is action. And so that's the first element of this framework. And then if you're not sure what to do, this can really help to like make a decision and do something. If I said something like, hey, the number one goal in your life right now is to clean up your room and make it as spotless as possible. You can look around and there's some things out of place. There's a drawer open over here. Like stuff makes itself obvious to you when you ask yourself, hey, what do I need to do here? And so just pick one of those and and move forward. It almost doesn't matter what it is. So that's element number one, decide. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I want to pull on time for a little bit. I just want to think about that as one of the axes in which we have to operate even in crisis because there without that that can be what am i trying to say there's a there's some sort of pattern of time that can be an amplifier of a crisis in in that if not tightly coupled with the second one in an effective way there is a there's always going to be a missed expectation are you acting fast enough did you do enough did you act did you act too fast and and therefore act carelessly rashly emotionally yeah so just i there's something that resonated with me when you said when you mentioned time specifically because it is a key amplifier through any crisis and managing either your team or the masses has to have to me a tight coupling between any sort of decision any acting and the way that you communicate the frequency in which you communicate so that was my initial thought. Excellent. And I'm not sure really what to call it right now. Decide, act, or commit. I think that was some feedback that you and I talked about. I think commit might be a little bit better, but there is some... I like the idea of ac- action, of moving things forward, and then actually making decisions, like decision-making and what that implies. So maybe a little bit of work to do there, but they're all in the same idea space. Okay. Because we're, we're talking continually about... The, the, as you're, as you, even as you're setting the stage, this is a volatile space. This is not a peaceful time. It's a, obviously, it's a, with your, your minimum viable scenario, this is a, it is, it's uncertain. So the, yeah, the time element for some, and even those who are deciding to hole up and you know, play computer games until everything goes away, the time element is real if they're hearing no communication. And it's certainly collapsed. That doesn't make any sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You may have been thinking about your five-year plan before COVID hit. Going into 2020, we were all, hey, the last 10 years have been great. Everybody, everything's moving forward. Everyone went into 2020 aspirationally. You know, 2021 was maybe a little bit different, a little bit more nuanced. And that's okay. Collapse your timeline a little bit. That should help. Okay, cool. So that's number one, decide, act, or commit. Number two is communicate. So this is huge in any kind of crisis. Communicate with your family. There are, if you see people getting their salaries cut around you, if your industry is having a rough time, like this is stuff that like, if you're starting to see signals and red flags, you know, let let your spouse or partner know if that's uh, the situation that you're in. And and it's one of those things like giving a heads up early lets numb, dampens the impact if something actually happens or if, if there's a situation where you need to lean in, what does that look like? You know, what is that negotiation? That's an ongoing discussion. So have it early. 
with your team, right? You want to be probably communicating five to 10 times more than feels natural, at least double. You should definitely be the most communicative person you know. So it's hard to give like a specific number because everybody's situation is different. But again, on the first one, you should be moving a little bit faster than you're comfortable. This one, you should be communicating a little bit more frequently than feels natural. And one thing for me, especially in a crisis, like your body language really matters. Some of the feedback I got early on was I had a very stern face on Zoom cameras, (laughs) used to hiding behind your laptop in in in-person meetings. And we had a lot of stuff going on. We were negotiating a lot of different contracts. There's all sorts of stuff happening, hard to keep on top of everything. And so I was pretty laser focused on it, but my laser focus looked stern and, and concerned, which was not you know, the right thing to bring to every discussion. You know, that was helpful. People are going to be judging your body language, your serious face, whatever it is, much more closely than in peacetime. Sure. And what you're going for often with that kind of laser focus, we're, we're going for focus by with the communication of our body language, but we're also going for confidence. But if it, if that's being missed because of the way that we look over Zoom, that will feed into people's sense of nervousness and dissatisfaction and an uns- a further unsettled state than what we were going for, maybe with confidence and seriousness. Yes, yes, definitely. And then I know we've talked about never split the difference before. They talk about this idea of labeling it helps put words to maybe things people are feeling. You could say something like, seems like you don't really feel like talking about this right now. And open up the discussion for a little bit more humanity and emotion. You know, seems like you aren't ready to talk about this. Seems like you're upset. Stuff like that where you could give some space for your team to express themselves a little bit when I've had situations where someone on my team had a family member in the hospital. It's very hard to like come at them strictly business when you're in this sort of constant tension of this global pandemic and then it's hitting them personally. And so you, you have to apply a little bit more maybe nuance or sophistication to your approach. You can't just jump right in to work like you could on a typical Tuesday in 2019, right? Yeah. Something that I feel like you're saying without saying is you're through your communication, you're trying to manage a set of outcomes and very uncertain outcomes, hence your comment about five to 10 times more communication than you're used to, but you're also trying to manage a set of behaviors in a group, which can be their trust in you, their ability to learn both facts as well as how to experience this situation. There's a whole set of, there's a whole layer there of things that you're managing through this, including, I think, learning. The way people are not just learning a set of facts that you're communicating, but they're learning more about this scenario and what it's going to look like to survive and thrive. That's right. That's right. Okay. So communicate number two. Third is forgive. And the original thinking here was around forgiving yourself. When you're in a crisis, and this is something I've experienced very personally, where I went into 2020, I just gotten promoted actually January 1st is when it went effective 2020. And I was feeling fairly good about myself, professionally, my skill set, where I was at in my career, the thing that my five-year plan, the things that I was doing, I felt pretty good about it. And it turns out like rising tides raise all ships. I, I was getting the benefit of a decade of expansion. Like the huge formative years in my career were 
part of the one of the largest expansions in human history, like economic expansions in human history. That's meaningful. That's a tailwind. And it, when you flip into crisis mode, it opens up this landscape of stuff that you are haven't been exposed to before that you didn't realize were low stakes things become high stakes things. And then all of a sudden, you feel very unequipped to, to deal with that current reality. And so you're going to make mistakes, right? And especially if you decide from the first element to opt in to try to be part of the solution, you're going to make lots of mistakes. It's key to take ownership of them. But at the end of the day, you have to forgive yourself and move on. Like activity moving forward is important. The standard here is human, not perfect robot. And the better you're and more effective you are being able to figure, forgive yourself for mistakes you've made, do your best to correct them, take responsibility for them, move forward, the better off you're going to be, not just in a crisis, but just in general. And then the flip side of that coin, obviously, too, is forgiving others. Like I said before, I, I don't really know anyone who's like intentionally trying to sink the ship, who's being nefarious. Incentive structures may not be aligned. People may have different goals and objectives, but no one's trying to like implode the system. People are just trying to do the best. And especially in a crisis, they're all making mistakes just like you are. Going back to what we talked about before, assuming positive intent, people are dealing with the same things you are, maybe worse. Give some space and grace here and you can hold a grudge when times are good again and you want to get really competitive and grow your career, but now's not that time. Yeah. So forgive yourself, I, forgive others. I like that, especially under the, like stemming off of the quote that you gave us to start with it, how does one possibly not lose faith in the future, if they're willing to let themselves in pieces, in chunks, lose faith in, in humanity. And I think that's somewhat, when you're talking about forgiving others, you are extending grace to people who are floundering and struggling just as much as you are, who are doing as much scenario planning as they possibly can and also missing the mark. What's the Eisenhower quote about the value not being in the plan, but in the planning? That's There's so much of that has to be done continually through mm -hmm. any sort of crisis management that everyone is learning at the same time. And therefore, everyone has to forgive continually and just try to be, do better together. Yes, absolutely. And you've hit on the fourth one uh, a couple of times now, which makes me feel good because you've corroborated. But the fourth is learn. So we're on the bottom end of that, decide, communicate, forgive, learn. Crises happen all the time. You think about the pandemic is maybe a once in a hundred year thing. The financial crisis might be once in 150 years. There's environmental, political, social, all sorts of crises. And those happen about every decade at a very big level. And then not to mention, like I said before, if you just happen to be working for a company that's going out of business, if you happen to live in a part of the country that is economically depressed, even though everyone ar around you is doing better. Those happen a lot, though, quite frequently. And so your ability to inoculate yourself against a crisis and maximize your chance of surviving through it is important. And then to thrive later, there has to be this feedback loop of learning where you have to be better after you get out the other end. Otherwise, you're going to be in a lot of trouble, I think. And part of that is around journaling. I, I don't typically journal... I have my crisis journal I was just looking at. It's got 123 entries in it. Goes back to February 2020. I took a picture of a little like uh, Olympic countdown clock. It was a business as usual thing. And that was uh, sort of when 
you started seeing things like professional sports games being played with no audience, like with no crowd, very weird feeling. And, and it's okay, this thing is real. All the way up to last week, I had a couple of things there. And I haven't really synthesized much of this yet. This conversation today is maybe our first attempt at going through some of those notes. But the point is you're journaling things that are important to you that you've learned, mistakes you've made, key decisions. So there's a whole decision journaling aspect that you know is well-documented that you could take a look at. And the idea is when you get through it, you synthesize and then create a playbook or some codified wisdom that you wish you had when you started the last crisis. And if you can consistently capture that knowledge and wisdom, we've been doing this for a year, there's lots of stuff in my journal I didn't capture. There's lots of stuff in there that I forgot about. It'll be very beneficial to go through later and try to codify and conceptualize some of these things to ultimately bake them into who I am as a leader and a human. So one of my favorite aspects of these four is the tight coupling between them. Like you've already called out, like we almost can't talk about one without talking about two. We can't talk about three without talking about four. You, you, you simply can't because they don't operate in a vacuum that way. So that speaks to some validity to me of the way that they're interoperable. But then the second, my second favorite thing is going to be the expression you just used, this kind of this idea of grasping codified wisdom, because what you're doing with pulling these four things out and articulating how they connect is you're not trying to force leaders or managers or thinkers into some sort of a predictable space, into, if we're looking, thinking of the Kinefin framework, into a complicated space that will not get them through managing this crisis. You're actually, these four pieces connect in a way that allows one of the focuses to be wisdom, to be this constant learning, single, double, triple loop learning. That would be an interesting thing to explore here. But you're allowing them to get more and more comfort in this unordered space, which is in complexity. The answer is not, this isn't going to be the equivalent of a cookie recipe that will turn out the same every time. This is a set of principles that will help them codify wisdom and respond better in the next crisis, which will be around the corner. It may not be COVID level, but to your point, it'll be around the corner. So I think that there's a nice flexibility that you've built that's worth noting. Yeah, excellent. So those are the four. Anything you, any other comments, anything you think we should add or remove? No, I don't. I like, I like the, the depth of each one of them. I know there's so much more, like we could talk about each one independently. And all well, I think we are. Yeah. Threads. Oh, good. Coming okay, up. Good. That'll be good. Cause I think we could dig into more of the pieces that will let people feel comfortable. I, I it takes so much courage to go through this phase, Robert, to just be willing to decide, act, commit, be willing to put pen to paper, if you will, and be the person communicating and then be willing to be wrong, be willing to forgive yourself, even if others don't, so that you can keep moving on and then be willing to reflect, adapt, learn, try again, because there is no, there is no predictability to this. I think predictability is an illusion for the most part, for the most part, it's always some form of, of illusion. But right now, it's very much an illusion. Whether you're talking about a social agenda or industry or a project that you're on, there's just so many unknowns. So any structural pieces that make us feel safe 
while we go through this this kind of cycle of ambiguity is an excellent tool. Yeah, well said. Couldn't agree more. Excellent. Hey, so yeah, we'll dig into these for in more detail in future episodes. I want to create a little graphic around this and have it out there. Again, this is all stuff. The, the standard I'm applying here is what I have loved to have in going into this time last year. And this would have been helpful for me, I think. And we can also get into how do you inoculate yourself for future crises and be put yourself in a position maybe if you're able to, when times are good, to avoid some of the multiplication, magnification effect of bad things happening when there's something going wrong at the macro level. We'll cover that in in a future episode as well. Awesome. Yeah, the codifying wisdom. I like it. Great. It was good seeing you today. You too. Thank you. All right. We'll talk soon. Take